0: Hello there. Welcome to another episode of NeuroResiliency, the show that inspects the ugly and finds the beauty. So in this episode, we're exploring this concept that I find it's quite interesting today to notice that people in general almost have a shame of being human. You know, how many times have you heard the the opinion expressed that the world would be better off without humans or that we've got too many humans in the world or the problem with the world is you know humanity something like that um so i recently rewatched true detective season one if you haven't seen it i highly recommend it matthew mcconaughey's character in there is such a pessimist and believes that you know we're all on this march to death and You know that's quite important to to acknowledge this this concept of nihilism that comes in as well. Like, what's the point of everything? There's a concept of, um, like I said, shame connected with being a human because we are the root of a lot of problems in the world. And while I don't, I don't disagree with this. I I absolutely agree that we are um, the root of many problems. Why the, the way that we're choosing to live, let's say extracting resources or implementing our influence over the land etc you know it is short-term thinking at its finest right there Um, so this is the idea of um, you know when people say that you know there's a shame to being human there's a problem with humans and I'd like to introduce my philosophy how I feel about this is it was quite interesting it took me a long time to be able to put this into words. And a lot of it came when I was studying, um, you know, history. And I looked at the Renaissance period in Europe, right? And what was called the humanism movement. Let me just read you very quickly. The Renaissance included an intellectual movement known as humanism. Among its many principles, humanism promoted the idea that humans are at the center of their own universe and should embrace human achievements in education classical arts, literature, and science. So let me let me break this down really. You've got to remember that this movement came out of this idea that at the time during the Renaissance, before the Renaissance, the church was there saying everything is um to the glory of God. And that's why today as well, um, there are still many people who are connected with churches that say that humanists are atheists, that humanists must um you know, must be seen with skepticism. We must be very weary of humanists because they think that humans are above God. And sure, you know, from that perspective, it makes sense. But I would would offer a different way or perspective of looking at this. So humanism came at its birth at a place where it was moving away from, you know, Catholicism always talks about this idea of like the shame of being born and humans are born with sin. And that that obviously came out of that time that we go to seek redemption and penance. And humanism came out of response to that to say that actually we are made in God's image and we are actually beautiful creatures. And so it was a pride uh, of being human that came out of that Renaissance period, I would say. Now, it's not to say that some people took that and ran with it and to say that we are beautiful and we must be our own beings and forget about God and whatever. I personally believe that humanism is outside of the realms of spirituality. We disconnect from uh, humanism from spiritual beliefs. Okay, disconnect from it. Spiritual beliefs are, what do you believe is the, you know, like who made us, what happens when we die, et cetera. Whereas humanism is, what are we doing while we live? While we live, what are we doing? Now, it's literally this idea of there's nothing to be ashamed of, that humans are beautiful, that we are created to be a beautiful species. And this is the concept with humanism and that I call humanism 2.0, right? That actually... We are beautiful creatures when we are at our best, when we work together, when we are all aligned and we are in alignment with how we were designed to be. So, what do I mean with that? Um, if we, you know, a very simple point is that a lot of the time we feel shame for any feelings that we might have. Like, let's say I'm angry at myself, and then I feel ashamed because I shouldn't be angry with myself because that's not the way that people should be. And we create a lot of shoulds and shouldn'ts. We actually start not accepting ourselves and that creates shame, that creates guilt, that creates anger, frustration, et cetera. But rather an acceptance of who we are, like, oh, I feel angry. That's okay to feel angry because that's in alignment. Clearly, if I weren't made to feel anger, then I wouldn't feel angry at any point in time. So feeling anger is actually an expression of natural um, design. I was designed to be angry. Anger actually serves a purpose. What is the purpose that anger was designed to serve? Oh, it's letting me know this thing in the environment. That doesn't mean that it's okay to be an angry person all the time. That just means that, okay, you you are responding naturally with anger in response to a particular stimulus in your environment. And you could navigate around that anger, absolutely. But that doesn't mean you have to reject that anger. You could develop a skill where you don't get angry at that thing, but you are aware of that thing and you've got other automatic processes instead. So this is the concept of humanism, that we accept ourselves, we are in alignment with ourselves because the way that we were built is beautiful. And that when we are actually in alignment with how we were built, we can be even more beautiful. And so when you think about all the beauty that exists in the world all of the things that humans are able to do, the, the, the possibilities are endless. You know, technology is just an expression of, of humans. So um, one would say that there are things called psychotechnologies that are, psych- uh, you know, psychotechnologies are things that we invented that help us like math, arithmetic, uh, let's say language writing systems are considered to be um, technology right? Psychotechnologies. Uh, These ways of manufacturing uh, a tool that isn't a physical tool, it's a mental tool that we can actually utilize to manage our environments. Like That's incredible. We're the only creature that does that. If you consider what creatures we are similar to in the world as well, you've got like hive-minded creatures like insects and things like that, um, You've got solitary creatures as well. You know, you've got creatures that travel in packs like wolves and things like that. You've got, you know, um, animals that have small family units or no family units. The branch off on their own, you know, there's, there's pairing systems. Then we've got animals that actually travel together in, in tribes almost. And these are like great apes. They've got these uh, troops, shall we say. And humans are structured very similar to that. But the beautiful thing is that we actually are adapted to become part of bigger groups than we can actually see in in that capacity, in that way, in nature. Now, what would it look like if that entire group were aligned together? I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine what a group of humans all working towards a common goal um, could look like, could achieve, and what it feels like to be one of those members Of that community working together arm in arm to achieve a common goal. And this is what um, a lot of people, um, you know, who study the psychology behind uh, people being in the military, they talk about this all the time. Being in the military gives you a sense of purpose, it gives you a sense of connection that you are one part of a larger whole. And that by disconnecting from that, it's actually traumatic. People feel a lot of uh, trauma. From leaving the military and going back to civilian life, and and what that what is that like to be, um, you know, to feel like you're part of a whole, and then all of a sudden disconnect from that. Uh, There's a very famous psychologist that actually said that um, the 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 reason why we've got so many suicide rates today is the feeling of disconnection. What does that mean? Well, in the past we used to have family, we used to have extended family, we used to have kith and kin, larger communities as well, and now we don't have access to any of those we're pretty much nuclear family and we feel disconnected from our intense um you know close family anyway and we don't have extended kith and kin or extended family because we're moving away from them we don't even live close to them anymore um we change locations so frequently and so what does it look like when we do this well you know we increase our our stages of loneliness we also decrease our knowledge of skills of how to relate to people as well well what would it look like to adapt to that So, that we can move and still make sure that we are ticking these boxes, make sure that we have the skills to connect and plug in and feel connected to new communities, as well as having the skills to connect quickly and deeply to communities, so that as humans, we are ticking these boxes. So, humanism 2.0 is what I call it. And whenever people ask me, like, what are my beliefs, I, I say it's this idea of. Um, humanistic pluralism or plural humanism is another way to say it that is to say that i don't go towards homogeny. The more homogenized our society is that is the more that we look and think the same, the worse off we're gonna be. why well genetically speaking, we create um you know inbreeding by doing that type of thing if we if we try to extend ourselves beyond our genetics um you know and we look at people around us, the more that we are in echo chambers, the worse off we are as well, the more fragile we become to change to adaptation, adaptability. And that is absolutely a point of pride for me is being much more malleable and adaptable by having exposure to living in so many different countries. I mean, you can imagine the culture shock that I had from going from South Africa to living in London. It's a very similar culture, but it's completely different. And the culture shock that I experienced there. And all of a sudden, I became a lot more adaptable at relating to both cultures. And then after that, other cultures. And then going and living in Asia. And oh my gosh, the first time that that happened when I lived in Indonesia, the culture shock there, and then the adaptation that came from that. So when I went to live in Asia again for another year, I went to Thailand and I was in Thailand for a year. And that was no problem the adaptation had already occurred, the exposure had already occurred, much more adaptable. And I was able to actually enjoy that experience a lot more. I lived in Europe, and then I lived in Argentina. And the idea is that the the culture shock, going and living in Europe and experiencing that, and then going in Argentina, which is still South American culture, but heavily European influenced, it was a lot easier. And then of course, having all of those experiences and going and living in like uh america oh, that was so easy it was like living in a movie the biggest culture shock was how everything looked exactly like a movie i was like wow look at your post boxes they're called mailboxes and they're blue and they're shaped differently and it was so interesting fascinating mm-hmm. really so the concept that i'll leave you with today um is that our diversity makes us better and it's not just our diversity genetically speaking culturally speaking, but it's also our diversity in thought, because being challenged in the way that we process information is incredibly strong. And our diversity of character as well, our diversity of roles makes us better. Not everybody needs to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Not everyone needs to be the founder of their own company and make millions of dollars. Not everybody needs to do that. Not everybody is fulfilled by that. And the world would not be a richer place for that. And let me give you a quick demonstration of this as well, is that people believe that they're better than others, right? That diversity doesn't matter. They are better than others. None of this is more poignant than looking at the past. After the Black Death, the plague, the bubonic plague, spread through Europe, you literally had this part where the rich people were... Isolated as much as they could be from the plague, and a lot of the peasants died. And as a result of that, all of a sudden, you had a lack of people with knowledge of how to work the land. And you had a lot of rich people who owned the land who had no idea how to work the land. And seeing that rich and poor work in a symbiosis. And so to say rich and poor, better and worse, higher class, lower class, that doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, is, we need to see that we are in a symbiosis together and understanding that actually a person could find a lot more fulfillment by working the land than they could by owning the land, that there could be more fulfillment from a person for playing music rather than, um, you know, creating a trade company. So, what does it look like for you? And understanding your fulfillment, where does it lie? So, I rejected part of myself that was a teacher for a very long time, and I realized that I like to take information I like to put that information into certain categories into certain systems, and then communicate those that information to others and Seeing the lights go on behind people's eyes as the penny drops, and they're like, "Oh, that's something that I like. I like to do that. I like to help people develop skills as well to so to see them kind of get stronger and better and transform their skills day after day. That is something that I really enjoy. It really lights me up. But that puts me into a place where I'm not going to be the founder of a startup company that's going to make billions. You know, I'm not going to be a person who knows how to work the land necessarily. Like I can do that part of it, but I really enjoy working with people and helping with education, understanding, development of skills. That's what I enjoy doing. And then on top of that, if that is my role to play in society, what is the greatest leverage that I can have? Or who are the people that I'd really like to impact? Because I believe that they would make a difference. And this comes into you know, this idea of your, your vision, your spiritual purpose, let's say. And I do believe that I get more fulfillment by acting these roles out in the ways and with the data that information uh, makes sense to me, You know, the, like, do I want to be a teacher like this with regard to, um, how to think versus, um, learning English, for example, is my, my journey. And I find much more fulfillment in teaching people how to think and how to understand, you know, themselves emotions than I do in how to learn English. So that's, that's a huge thing for me, number one. And then, you know, looking at that and understanding that, okay, well, I am part of a whole, And so, you know, pluralism has got to do with diversity and humanism has got to do with, this is beautiful. Humans are beautiful. We are wonderful creatures. We are social creatures. And so where can I plug myself in to a community that is actually going to really appreciate this? And that's that's another thing. The contribution that you make is going to be valued by a community as well. So finding where your contributions are going to be valued the most, that's important too. So, moving on from this, it's just a, qu- a clear question when we say humanist, we're talking about people are beautiful and people working together because we are social animals is a beautiful thing. And think about what we could achieve if we're all working towards great goals as well. And I do see this in humans. We are beautiful. We can create and accomplish amazing things together. And what we're in is this period of learning how best to work together how best to achieve and accomplish certain actions, what uh, consequences come from doing things in certain ways. And obviously we'll see an evolution of psychology of like, we don't want to danger the environment. We don't want to impact other people negatively. We don't want to blah, 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 blah. So, you know, like I say, um, humanism, pluralism, those are two strong philosophies that I'm behind. You know, the pluralism suggests diversity in many ways and a lot of this has got to do with this this idea of many people's spiritual identity if it's not one of the classic religions it's one of like the new age forms of thoughts of like spirituality what's your spirituality i'm connected with the universe with source man and a lot of it is because humans have a need to connect with something greater than themselves and so answering the question of life after death is the ultimate way of connecting to something greater than yourself and so Religion, in my opinion, serves that function of feeling that need. And by being atheist, sure, you're following the science, but you also don't feel connected. And so I could say that by feeling connected to humans, by seeing the human species as a beautiful species that can actually create beautiful things, and that over a period of thousands of years, we have evolved and our practices are going to continue to evolve and we can become. And even more beautiful species as well, and that my contributions today can impact generations, hundreds to thousands of years in the future by doing the work that benefits the human species globally. And so this is the point is feeling connected to humans around the world and to humans in the past and to humans in the future, and seeing your connection to humans as a form of spirituality, as a form of being connected. That doesn't mean that when you die, you don't believe in God. So I'll challenge that whole thing of humanism is connected to atheism and that it's in opposition of a spiritual belief, but rather the idea that humanism allows people to feel connected to life. To living, and that we don't need to die to find connection, that we can find connection through our daily lives. And I think that's very important. A lot of people talk about this idea of, you know, space and time are just constructs and that our perception of time is linear and that's actually not true time. I'm like, yeah, but think about it like this if we are put here, if we are incarnate, And everybody tries to run away from our daily lives, from our incarnation, from life, or the way that we perceive it. Like, it's cool to know that time actually doesn't matter, that our perception of time is what creates time. Uh, Let's say certain things are social constructs, you know? That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But it's just to say that most of the time people see these ideas and they'll say, you know, that's not the truth. The truth is that we are spiritual beings and we need to remember that. I'm like, no, we're human beings. And remembering that we are here for a reason. What is that reason? Let's live that reason. Let's really be with that. So disconnecting from the spiritual purposes of being here and being connected with the actual physical reasons for being here as well, because you'll get to the spirit stuff soon enough. You know, you'll die soon enough. So why are you trying to rush there and trying to connect with spirituality as much as possible? You know, if you are um, someone who believes in certain religions, then follow those tenets absolutely by living it, by being connected with the present moments and with, you know, your physical life and by the other people around you, you know. And if you are atheist or if you are agnostic or if you're questioning spirituality or you're connected with source or whatever, why run away from your physical experience of now and just be connected with now and understand that this is, Exactly why we are living this experience. You know, the beauty of being, the beauty of being human, the beauty of human beings. So, that's just a little taste of some ideas that I have. Let me know your thoughts on humanism. I'd love to hear what you've got to say about it. I'd love to hear your experiences, or if you've got any contrary, contradictory points of view, let me know. Love to hear them. Until next time, adios. Ciao for now. Hasta luego. We'll see you in the next one.